Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Homicide Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. Going back to the Adelson case, and we know this will need an explanation for people that are just tuning in, but Donna Adelson, the matriarch of this family, has made a little news. Uh, She, of course, has been arrested for murder in the first degree. However, apparently, she's not too happy with her accommodations. She's not very happy with her jail cell. She's not very happy with the way she's being treated. She's not very happy with the amount of contact she has allowed with her attorneys, her family, phone calls, the amount of times per week she's allowed to take a shower. All those things are... um, just the realities of being in jail and probably worse, prison. And for a 73-year-old woman who was very affluent to go into a jail cell and all of a sudden have your freedom taken away and realize that this is no joke and I can't do this, I can't deal with this. But there's not too many people that are feeling sympathetic to Miss Adelson based on the fact that her husband Charles, excuse me, her son Charles has gotten convicted and is going to spend the rest of his life in prison for the murder of her son-in-law, Daniel Markell. And we know the story. Other people have gotten involved. I could put up the chart uh, on the screen. And you see the two shooters at the bottom, Sigfredo Tuto Garcia, Luis Tato Rivera, and the victim, Dan Markell. Catherine Maguanua, she set the whole thing up. She was having an affair with Charles Adelson, the periodontist. And Donna Adelson, of course, she looks much younger in that photograph. She's the mom. Harvey Adelson is the patriarch. Donna Adelson, the matriarch. And Wendy Adelson the wife of Dan Markell, who many people figure or hope at some point will wind up in the mix in regards to this. What is her involvement in this? Well, we don't exactly know that yet, but this case keeps moving forward and the district attorney is very competent and I think has no intentions of stopping until she gets justice and makes everyone who was involved in this responsible for their actions or their lack thereof. We we shall see. So you've just decided to enter the police off the cuff zone. So hang on and join us. Real crime, true crime from a police perspective. Police off the cuff. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped in Tampa Ranch, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger.
Donna Adelson's attorneys have filed some paperwork uh, this week, and I'll put it up on the screen uh, where you can see it. Um, and basically, it's an emergency motion to enjoin the jail for an independent psychological evaluation or release to house arrest. Could you imagine Donna Sue Adelson, pursuant to the United States Constitution, hereby moves this court to enjoin the Leon County Jail from subjecting her to her current conditions of confinement and direct the Leon County Jail to place Donna in a unit where she can prepare for trial and speak to her family or conduct an independent psychological evaluation in order to be placed in a different unit where she can properly prepare for trial and speak to her family. Alternatively, she requests to be released on house arrest coupled with standard conditions of pretrial release and in support thereof as follows. Donna Adelson, a 73-year-old grandmother, does anyone have tears running down their face yet? Was arrested in Miami, Florida on November 13, 2023 after her son, Charles Adelson was convicted of murdering Dan Markell in an alleged murder-for-hire plot. The evidence against Donna is circumstantial at best. Of course, this is written by her attorney. While Donna has been charged with a crime, there is a presumption of innocence in this country. Donna is entitled to a fair trial, has a right to counsel, and has a right against cruel and unusual punishment. To date, all of Donna's rights have been violated despite the presumption of innocence in place. On November 13, 2023, Donna was arrested and transported to TGK Jail in Miami-Dade County. Upon arrival at TGK Jail, Donna was placed in a psychiatric unit because of charges against her. She was placed in an isolation cell with a small sink, mattress on the floor, blanket, and a toilet. Donna did not have access to any clothes, cups, silverware, books, blankets, or toiletries and was only permitted to shower once. Although she had access to counsel, she was not permitted to use the phone to contact family members following two psychiatric evaluations. Donna was cleared within 96 hours of her arrest and placed in general population where she was able to contact her family and attorney. Donald's, Donna's mental health, uh, state has not changed since the determination by the psychiatrist at TGK Miami. On November 20th, 2023, around noon, Donna was picked up from TGK jail and transported to Leon County Jail. Her transporters placed her in the back of the transport vehicle with no water. Several hours into the journey, Donna tried to get the attention of the officers because she needed water and a restroom stop, but she was not able to get their attention. Approximately four to five hours into the trip, when the officers finally checked on her, Donna was shaking, dehydrated, and unable to stand up or move. As a result, the officers had to call paramedics to the rest stop. Upon arrival at the Leon County Jail, officials put her in the infirmary under direct observation. She was then placed in a small solitary unit with a toilet, a sink, a mattress on the floor, and a dirty blanket. She has requested a book or Bible, but has not been given anything and has been forced to eat her food with her hands. The day after arriving at the Leon County Jail, one of the jail's mental health officials began questioning Donna about medications she was taking before she was arrested. Donna felt uncomfortable during this interaction because she could not see the official's face 
and wanted to verify that they were in fact healthcare professionals. But the official would not verify. When Donna made her concerns known, the official told Donna, uh, Donna is a fancy white lady who murdered her son and now thinks she has rights. The official joked with the other guards about this outside of Donna's door. The official then said that Donna will learn that fancy white lady murderers have no rights here and told Donna, do you see where you are? Do you see where I am? I'm out here because I'm not a murderer. Since that interaction, some of the jail staff have treated Donna with cruelty. She has sometimes denied her necessary blood pressure medication, and she has been prevented from showering for days at a time. In the 15 days that Donna has been at Leon County Jail, she has only been permitted to call her husband once on November 28, 2023, for, for approximately five minutes while God stood watch. It was only with the help and intervention of the state that this call took place. Donna has not been permitted to call her counsel at all. At one point, a psychiatrist working at the jail told Donna she does not belong in the solitary unit, and another jail official also told Donna the same thing. As a result of these cruel and inhumane conditions, Donna is becoming weaker and weaker every day. And because she does not have phone access, it has been impossible for her to contact her counsel or take part in her defense. Despite repeated attempts to call the jail, set up video visitation or set up in-person visitation, undersigned counsel has been unable to communicate with Donna since her transport to the Leon County Jail. Both undersigned counsel and the state have tried to get help from the jail to no avail. So that is the attorney's argument. But guess what, folks? And I'm not, look, a 73-year-old person, jail is a huge hardship for a young person. But for a 73-year-old person, I mean, when I hear that she was taking that ride for hours and was not given water, and I'm, of course, that's according to her, but that is a huge hardship or to go to the bathroom. I think older people have to use the facilities a lot more often than younger people. And so they're not going to get a lot of sympathy inside of jail. And you see these people are saying, oh, you're a rich old white lady, you know. And um, I don't doubt that that occurred. However, this is not the Waldorf Astoria. You know, Donna Adelson is in jail. Is she innocent to proven guilty? Yes, 100%. But jail's a nasty place. And as I said, prison's even worse. But so to put her in jail and then, first of all, folks, we have to also realize the reason that she's not out on bail. And we all know the reason is because she tried to flee the country before she was arrested. Uh, on an article from the Associated Press on uh, November 17th uh, outlines why. Um, and what happened? The matriarch of a South Florida family who made their fortune practicing dentistry has been arrested at Miami International Airport on charges of orchestrating the hitman murder of her ex-son-in-law one week after it's caused uh, Charles Adelson, an oral surgeon, I think he was a periodontist, our oral surgeon's son was convicted on the same first-degree murder charge. Authorities said that Donna Adelson was arrested uh, as she and her husband were about to use a one-way ticket to board a flight to Dubai and then to Vietnam, countries that do not 
have an extradition treaty with the United States. Um, she's charged with arranging the 2014 murder of Florida State University law professor Daniel Markell, who was shot in the head inside his Tallahassee garage. Uh, Leon County attorney Jack Campbell said in a Tuesday phone interview that while he believes his prosecutors already had enough evidence to convict Adelson before she was arrested, plans for her arrest had to be accelerated when investigators learned of her plans to flee the country. Uh, it would have been very complicated and really difficult trying to bring them back, depending on where they ended up in the world. Uh, the arrest was not just based on the flight, but that played a part in the timing. So, yes, can we now uh, be sympathy, have sympathy that she's held remanded without bail when she tried to flee the country to avoid prosecution? And, you know, I guess a lot of us, um, because of her age, she's 73 years old, she's been free her whole life, and now she's, uh, she's in jail. And she doesn't look like she's going to get out. I don't think even um, a judge would allow her home confinement, even with a ankle monitor, because she tried to flee the country. Lone Wolf 78, thank you for the $5 super stick. Hey, Bill, love the show. Would you ever do a video about New York City police and the dirty cops in the 80s? Cheers from New Zealand. You know, that's not one of my favorite topics, police corruption. But, uh, the, you know, I was on the job when they had the Dirty 30 and uh, the 3-0 precinct when they had all those problems. Um, the 7-7, uh, Michael Dowd, who was from the 7-5. And, you know, they say there's nothing worse a good cop hates than a bad cop and a dirty cop, you know, and that's true in my uh, in my perspective. So I don't even like to uh, like to talk about it uh, because it's not it's not who I was. It's not what I knew. You know, uh, I'm going to play a little video from um, Court TV on Donna Adelson's first court appearance and just think about going from a life of luxury to uh, now having to go to court and fight for your life. He sure doesn't look too happy in this picture on the screen. The arraignment. All rise. Court's now in session. The Honorable Jason Jones presiding. So they did the arraignment, I guess, by Zoom because it was uh, she was not in the courtroom. She was in a little dingy room, probably in jail. In the chair. Good morning, Ms. Adelson. This is Judge Jones. You are here first appearance on case number 2023 CF3226. You are charged with one count of murder, one count of conspiracy to commit murder, and one count of solicitation to commit murder. I see that we have your attorney with us here on Zoom. Good morning. Good morning, Your Honor. Marisol Descalzo on behalf of Donna Adelson. Ms. Descalzo. 
this was an arrest that was done by warrant. PC has already been found. I have reviewed the PC warrant. State, what is your recommendation for bond? I believe this is a grand jury indictment, Judge. Uh, the true bill indicated there was a no bond on count one. You murdered first degree, $25,000 bond set on counts two and three. Obviously, no contact with uh, the victim's uh, family. Uh, no contact, I suspect, also in co-defendants uh, previously charged with the state or witnesses listed in the probable cause affidavit. Um, stipulation no bond at this time without prejudice and the right to revisit with Judge Everett, which is the judge assigned to the case. So, Ms. Adelson, at this time you're being held with no bond on count one. Your bond will remain $25,000 on count two and $25,000 on count three. As a condition of your bond, you'd have no contact with the victim's family, you'd have no contact with any co defendants, and no contact with any witnesses that are listed in the probable cause affidavit. Do you understand those conditions? Thank you, Your Honor. That's it for this morning. Thank you. Thank you. So there was her uh, her arraignment, and uh, again, it doesn't uh, shock any of us. Uh, many people, you know, you see an old lady, you see an old lady go, uh, who's never been in jail in her life, uh, lived a, a life on on the up and up her whole life, but all of a sudden, her freedom is taken away, you know, and uh, this is the kind of case. Donna Adelson is 73 years old. Uh, even if she was a hell of a lot younger, this is a life sentence, this case. This is, if convicted, she will get life without parole. Think about that uh, for someone. And I'm not, I'm not being, uh, well, I guess I am being a little bit sympathetic to her. However, if she gets convicted of being the kingpin of this whole thing and arranging this whole thing, then I don't have very much sympathy. I don't like to see old women in prison, but uh, how, you know, how sympathetic can you be when she arranged the murder or took an integral part of the murder of her son-in-law over a custody dispute? Her daughter, Wendy, and Daniel Markell got divorced. And because he wouldn't allow the children, his two boys, to move to Miami to be closer to the grandparents, that's why this whole thing was set up. That's why he was whacked. That's why they hired these two thugs to kill him. Uh, it just unbelievable. And, and we look at the picture on the screen, Catherine Magwanua, who was having an affair with Charlie Adelson. He sure doesn't look like a dentist in that photo, but uh, he actually is. And she's the one that set it up with the actual the actual shooters who we could see here, right, on the right-hand side. Uh, Luis R Rivera and Sigfredo Garcia. Sigfredo Garcia being uh, Catherine Magwanya was a uh, baby daddy, we'll call it. He was the father of her two children. So she set up the shooters. And so it, this whole 
conspiratorial nature of this. Uh, you know, Charlie Adelson also made 35 hours of phone calls to his mother while in jail. I mean, it's amazing how unsophisticated these folks were in regards to uh, thinking that they had privacy in jail or in prison or on their cell phone when they're uh, arrested for capital murder. Let me play a little of this from Court TV. The Adelsons, as jail call records show, that Charlie called his mother 86 times during the week leading up to her arrest. Now, as you know, friends, he was found guilty of his former brother-in-law, Dan Markell's murder earlier this month. He was the first Adelson to be charged in Dan Markell's death. And now his mother, Donna, is charged in the murder as well. She was arrested two weeks ago, right as she was boarding a plane with a one-way ticket to Vietnam. And now we know that Charlie and Donna spent 35 hours on the phone the week of her arrest. And one of those calls was cited in the affidavit for her arrest saying, quote, Donna Sue Adelson is telling Charles Adelson that she's getting things in order, creating trust and making sure her grandchildren are taken care of. Donna discusses plans for a suicide, but also discusses plans to flee to a non-extradition country. I'm so pleased to welcome in a friend of Court TV and someone who was a personal friend of Dan Markell's the state attorney in Palm Beach County, Florida, Dave Ehrenberg. Dave, good morning. Wonderful to see you as always. I have something I, I want to show you, uh, my friend, taking a look at some of the data from these calls. Uh, from October 23rd to November 6th, uh, there were 116 calls that Charlie placed to his mama. And uh, from the start of the trial till Donna's arrest, they spent over 39 hours on the phone converse. You know, I am amazed at how was he able to make all of these calls from, from prison? I mean, how, how could you spend all that time? I, I've never heard. Well, actually, he's in jail. This is post-conviction. Now he's in prison. He, uh, how was he able to make that amount of calls? I'm, I'm baffled by that. Just uh, it sounds incredible to me. The longest call was nearly two hours long after he was convicted. Uh, and uh, the good people in the prosecutor's office, I'm sure, are listening to all of those calls intently. Uh, tell me your thoughts, Dave, when, when you hear uh, the amount of time these two spent on the phone together. Good to be with you, Julie. It looks like Georgia Kapman was right that Charlie was equal parts mama's boy, equal parts black sheep. I mean, he's someone who really relied on his mom, who is not used to being in this environment. So he's calling his mama, who also was allegedly complicit in all this, and the evidence is pointing to her as well. So I'm not surprised to see this. I mean, this is a guy who thought he was above the law, who thought he was smarter than everyone else, who thought he was the maestro. Don't believe me. Look at his license plate on his Ferrari. But now he's locked up for the rest of his life. And so where does he go? He calls his mom. Calls his mama. You're right, Dave. Yeah, definitely a mama's boy, it seems. And I'm wondering if these two might have just served up more evidence for the state of Florida on a silver platter with these calls. I keep thinking about that, the content that just might be there. Uh, Dave, would you kind of take us behind the scenes, describe what that process is, is like going through the call? You know, some of you guys in the chat are letting me know something I didn't know, and thank you, that uh, apparently Charlie Adelson had a tablet and uh, apparently uh, kisses, thank you, Leon County allows tablets since COVID. 
that's incredible to me. I can't even imagine uh, any jail or prison allowing an inmate to have a tablet, but uh, this is the new world that we live in. Trying to extract the pieces of evidence, putting things together to get ready to share it at trial. Prosecutors love jail calls. I have my prosecutors for hours listening to jail calls, and it's not drudgery. This is one of the parts of the job they don't mind because it's full of good information. And it's surprising because they tell you many times that your calls are being recorded. There's a sign up there as well, but yet they continue to make incriminating contents. Maybe they just don't believe that government is listening in, or they're like Donna and Charlie, they're not used to this environment, so they're not used to how the system works. And so the stuff on the calls, I think, will be golden. And we don't know exactly the contents of the calls because the prosecutors don't have to give that up yet until they give it to the defense during discovery, and eventually they will. And that's when we will find out the contents because as bad as it is to see all the minutes that Charlie and Donna spent on the phone together. That looks pretty bad, but what's really bad is, I think, will be the contents of the call, and that's something the government has and we don't have yet. I think That's 100%, folks, is that, yes, of course, the government monitors. He even said uh, that there's signs up all over the place. <laughs> we monitor your phone calls. We monitor your calls. And still, people make calls that implicate themselves. So it's like, they don't believe it or they just they just can't help themselves to talk about uh, the crimes they committed. You know, on another point, like when we used to make arrests on the NYPD, it, it would have on the online booking sheet that a, uh, a, a person being arrested was allowed three phone calls. But, you know, three phone calls, if you had four perps, that, that could take half the night. And the, the desk officers always used to rush us out of the precinct within two hours. So if you had four perps and you had to do all this paperwork, fingerprints, online booking sheet, vouchers, all this other stuff, it was very difficult to get them out of there in two hours. So to, for them to make three phone calls each, are you kidding me? So what cops would start doing, you, you don't want to make a phone call, do you? Yeah, they would present it to them that way. But then later on, years later, when I was up in the squad, I realized how important the online booking sheet was, in fact, the the phone calls that the perpetrator did make. That was used for intelligence to find him later on when uh, the computers came in to search the phone calls. What does this phone call come back to? Who did he call? And that could be used in, on future investigations. But as I said, it was unrealistic for, um, you, you know, to, to allow... Uh, a perpetrator to make three phone calls, especially if you had multiple people under arrest. But when someone, again, is in jail, they're told, yeah, your phone calls are being monitored. And yet they can't help themselves. They talk about the case and, and the powers that be have it all, uh, all listened to. They're listening to it. It's recorded and it's used as evidence against them in a potential trial. Uh, and one of the ways that they found out that Donna was going to flee the country was on phone calls to Charlie. You can't make this stuff up, guys. Convicted murderer Charlie Adelson is now in police custody. 
That's right. The Tallahassee Democrat newspaper reports that Donna Adelson was arrested in Miami as she was about to board a one-way flight to Vietnam. And we're getting new details about what led to her arrest, Ted. According to the Tallahassee Democrat, jail calls between Donna and Charlie. This is after he was convicted. Uh, she apparently was discussing plans uh, to, to get things in order. In one section, according to the newspaper, she said, quote, she's telling Charlie uh, about plans for either a suicide or planning to flee to a non-extradition country, which Vietnam is. Is one of those. So now she faces charges of murder, conspiracy, and solicitation in the death of her former son-in-law, Dan Markell. Those are the same charges, Ted, that Charlie was just convicted of like a week ago. So we're going to bring updates as we continue to get them into our newsroom. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's uh, bring in uh, criminal defense attorney and former um, prosecutor Marie Prayer. Marie, the, the, the new information we're getting in, and the, again, this is to the Tallahassee Democrat. She's talking, I mean, she just sat through a trial, apparently, I mean, of, of her phone conversations yes. and Charlie being recorded. And um, now this is definitely coming in, right? Uh, this is now part of her trial that she was going to flee. Absolutely. Consciousness of guilt. But you would think that from day one, as much money as these people had, that she would have had an attorney on retainer. Because really, it's not like she didn't see this coming. And for her to have to get on, for her to have the nerve to get on the phone to talk about if I'm going down, I'm going to commit suicide. And for her to do research on what country doesn't have any treaties with the U.S. so that she may not be extradited back, that is completely... See, tough, uh, again, tough to imagine. Here's, here's some people that are, they're affluent, they're educated, sophisticated. It's not sophisticated to talk on the phone to someone who's in jail when, when you should know that his phone calls are being recorded. And then you just lay out your life plans. And as you're waiting for your flight, the police come and scoop you up in Miami International Airport. So... You, this is goes under that, you know, when we say you can't make this stuff up, this goes under that topic. You cannot make this stuff up because look, look what, look what she did. And she, and she was her own worst enemy. Complete consciousness of guilt. And I think it's, for lack of a better word, really stupid because she had to see what was coming down. Yeah. Like, why would she even do that? And by the way, just because a country doesn't have an extradition treaty with the U.S. doesn't mean that uh, we're not going to come get you and, oh, yeah. and they're going to give you up. Uh, she's not uh, Julian Assange. I mean, they, they would have probably been like, oh, goodbye, Mama Adelson. <laughs> right. Uh, Send you back there. And, and her husband, Ted and Marie, booked the ticket along with her, going with her. One, I mean, he's never really been... He's not in any of the recordings, right, except for I think there's maybe one uh, where his phone is used, but um, and he may, he might have been, but he hasn't been a central player, right? Uh, obviously, not the evidence there for him, but he played a part in this fleeing Marie. Um, he knows something, allegedly, possibly. He, you know, at, at the end of the day, that's his ride or die. Right. You know, that's his wife. They've been together for a hot minute, right? They have kids. A hot minute. I love that. That's a that's a New York expression. She must be from New York. They've been together for a hot minute. You know, people had asked that. Um, why wasn't um, the doctor, uh, you know, uh, Harvey Adelson, 
why wasn't he charged um, for trying to flee with his wife? Well, at the point at that time, she was never told that she was not to leave the country. She was never told that she was going to be arrested. So he was again like like she just said in a hot minute. They've been married for a long time. He was willing to go into the fires of hell with her, and uh, he was going to flee the country with her. And we all know because she loose lips sink ships, right? We all heard that as little kindergartners. Loose lips sink ships. That was probably the best advice someone ever gave me upon coming on the police department. I said, you have any good advice for me? And they, the person said, yes, loose lips sink ships. Do you think I took their advice? Nah. <laughs> Something about having loose lips that, uh, you know, it, it's attractive. You always want to run your mouth, you know. But it gets you in trouble. You know, it definitely does get you in trouble. It's together and everything. So he's saying, you know what? If you're going down and you're leaving because of it, because you're afraid, I'm going with you. Hmm. Something went off right there. So I'll just remove it. Um, so the husband, of course, fled with uh, Donna Adelson. They got caught in, in, in the airport and, uh, the rest is history. You know, we, she's been arrested folks. If you like real crime, true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. Police off the cuff, real crime stories. And if you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up and ring that bell. If you want to contribute to us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. We also have a YouTube channel membership with you can count it, we have five different levels. And we appreciate all our friends, our subscribers, our fans that contribute to this show. And guess what? 2023, as you know, is almost over. Are we all ready to start saying 2024? Oh, my God. I'm not yet, you know. I remember when I was in school, I when we used to have to write the date, the first few uh, weeks of January, you would keep writing the previous year, right? But now... Uh, not not so true. Uh, so going back to even law and crime, they discuss as to why, you know, Donna Adelson fled the country. And look where she is now as far as her lawyers preparing these, these documents that uh, are meant to, I guess, meant to be sympathetic in a way. Uh, Donna's detention conditions violate her Sixth Amendment right to counsel. So they, they're claiming actually that uh, that Donna Adelson um, can't contact her attorneys. I mean, is, is there any truth to that? The Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution guarantees the right to effective assistance of counsel. Um, that right attaches as soon as an individual is arrested and is held to answer criminal charges. The right to consult with legal counsel about being released on bond, entering a plea, negotiating, accepting a plea, going to trial, um, testifying at a trial, um, locating trial witnesses and other decisions confronting the detained suspect whose innocence is presumed as a right inextricably linked to the legitimacy of our criminal justice system. It is crucial that Donna be able to participate in her defense, Donna is charged with very serious offenses, and this case involves years of investigation 
and enormous amounts of discovery. The state has already disclosed a witness list, including hundreds of witnesses, as well as hundreds uh, of pages of extensive financial records, photographs, recordings, and wiretaps, call records, cell phone and email account extractions, iCloud extractions, toll records, interview recordings. So the lawyer's going over everything. He's he's um, showing a, a, a wide, he, he's using the shotgun approach. He's going to put everything down. And look, you are entitled to your own defense, but if you're being held in jail, no one's going to let you out so you can help your attorneys, you know? You're being held without bail, and Donna Adelson is being held without bail because she's being tried for a murder in the first degree. So no one is, again, in the fact that she tried to flee the country, uh, less people are sympathetic over that. And a lot of this had to do also, remember the the bombshell video evidence they, they called it of the um, of the bump. Remember the bump? I want to play a little bit of the bump because this was one of the biggest pieces of evidence they had. This is when she meets with an undercover. You know, it's amazing that when you go after the conclusion of the bump, um, she goes into uh, the elementary school there um, to the door to the right, goes inside and retrieves the children and then goes back to the icon back across the street. And are those Wendy and Dan Markell's children? Yes, they are. So they're in school just literally less than a block over? Right across the street from where she lives. Okay. And when the undercover bumps Mrs. Adelson, does she? Do we know if she had a cell phone on her person? Uh, we don't know that. Okay, but she didn't take one out and make a phone call. She did not. At this time, Your Honor, I will ask to publish what's marked as call A on the. Have I introduced this? Let's introduce the wire calls themselves and those are 108 your honor 108 i believe has already been admitted over objection okay and they're already in so this will be call a from 108 that we'd like to publish at this time this is the fbi agent on the stand So this calls between Charlie Adelson and Donna Adelson in regards to after the bump, and that was what this is meant to do, to stir up a little conversation between the conspirators. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, maybe I'll just get you out something. You can tell us what we were in the wall. Well, I'm in, I'm in Mitch Klein's office on the yeah. Park Boulevard. Okay. So I'm I'm right now in the Skyline Show and I'll be at his office in the after, in the afternoon. Okay. So the boys have finished their um finished their piano lesson around four ish and make um the traffic at the end they take a ride with them up there. Is that no doubt it works today, fortunately. What's uh mm -hmm. Like, uh, IRS, or? You know, um, those IRS people are kind of spotty sometimes, but you know, fortunately not now. Okay. So I, I will talk to you. Um, I'll give you a heads up if I'm going to drive off that way. Right. Okay. And, yeah. uh, and Is it involved No, no, no. No, no, no. So let me. Uh, let me just talk to you later and um yeah, so what is it? Is there a help okay? Yeah. Does it involve me or other people? Well probably both of us. What's that? Probably the two of us. So we probably have a general idea what I'm talking about. Right. So let's let's just find some time to talk to each other and take the boys for a while. Okay. You're going to take the boy up there? Well, I don't think I'll be home. Maybe I can get here till about 7 and some drag gets here. So it's hard to be talking to you today. Today or um, tomorrow? I mean, it's important. All right. I don't know what to do. Well, I'll, be, I'll be up at Mitch Klein's office. You want oh, to come up? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Like. Mm. So you see their conversations and the whole thing is uh, is taped. The whole thing is being listened to and being played at Charlie Adelson's trial. Uh, just, just incredible. Yet they kept talking and the bump, as they called it, was so, so very effective because it got people uh, that were involved in this case. Um, to start to talk, you know, uh, and and that is is what they counted on from, and that's why they did this thing. They would call the bump. Um, I want to play a little bit of court TV and, and look inside the Adelson family uh, dynamics. And this is Wendy Adelson on the screen. So far, many people that have followed this case are quite upset that. Um, so far, she's walking free, and she may uh, be one of the catalysts behind this. However, they did not have enough to charge her at this point. Is it fair to say she's you know, a little on the controlling side? I don't think she's controlling, but she's definitely overprotective. Did she ever try to micromanage your life? Maybe, yeah. Did she have an interest in who you were dating and who you weren't dating and who you should be dating when you were I mean, single? I think she was usually disappointed that I wasn't dating more. 
You don't need me to tell you the Adelson family dynamic is a complex web of sinister plans, ugly comments about Dan Markell, and eventually a plan that led to murder. Well, here's how the family shakes out quickly. Donna and Harvey Adelson are the parents of Wendy and Charlie. Wendy, as you know, was married to Dan Markell. Charlie dated Katie McBanawa, who has two children with Sigfredo Garcia. Garcia and Luis Rivera were the men hired to carry out the hit on Dan Markell. During Charlie's trial, Wendy testified Dan filed a motion to keep his kids away from Donna and wanted her not to have any visitation. What about the one where Dan Markell is asking that your mother not be permitted to have unsupervised visitation with the kids? My mom never saw that because after he filed that, he then asked my parents to babysit the kids. and My mom baked him banana bread. So you want me to read what she said here? I want you to answer the question. What was the most important part? Of the divorce for my mom? Yes. It says here that for her, it was relocation. All right. And did you have two eight-hour... So that, when, when you think of it, was the whole reason that, that for the hit on Dan Markell was that he would not allow for the relocation of his two children. And when you think of it, that's, uh, I mean, that's his right. He's a parent. And he basically got the upper hand, I believe, in the divorce uh, agreement. And Donna Adelson apparently put this in motion because she was very unhappy that her grandchildren up in Tallahassee and she lived in Miami, and it was a hardship for her. And that's what this whole thing was about when you think about it. This whole thing destroyed the lives of this many people that you see on the screen right there, destroyed their lives over a divorce decree about visitation rights of the grandchildren mediations in your divorce we had two very long mediations i don't remember exactly how long they were but they did felt they like result a in a time. resolution no was mr markell seeking to depose your mom as part of the divorce i don't remember that did your mom call dan any disparaging names around this time frame well i just read them in the emails okay. but i don't remember them independently okay did, did she call him a Yes. A narcissist? Yes. A bully? Yes. Religious zealot? Yes. That I don't remember. Page five. Okay. I'm sorry, what was your answer? Yes. Yes. Now, the Adelsons even went as far as to try to bribe Dan with a million dollars to allow Wendy and the kids to relocate from Tallahassee to Miami. Another bribe to get him to allow relocation should be the offer of plane tickets so that he can fly back and forth, right? So you're going to potentially offer this big monetary benefit that would allow him to fly back and forth to work. Is that the idea? I never said that I was going to do any of that. Okay, was that the idea that your mom had? That was the idea. All right, and the amount of the bribe is going to be or was at least discussed as being a million dollars. Is that right? That is what they said. Okay, and did you agree with that? No. What about the idea that you could... 
it's amazing that grandparents could just offer $1 million like it's, uh, you know, chump change to get their way in, in a divorce proceeding. And the uh, son-in-law says, no, no. Uh, basically, I won. You know, he won. And you're not going to bribe me into getting your way. And that seems what set this in motion. Try to threaten... Dan to convert the kids to Christianity so that they can fit into the Bible belt here in Tallahassee. Is that something your mom suggested in these emails? My mom did suggest that. Let Jibbers know that your children will be baptized in the Catholic church. Have a picture made of them in front of the church, all that kind of thing. That's what, what your mom suggested at one time. She did, yes. All right, still with me, Carl Steinbeck, Dr. Jenny Lacey, and joining us from West Palm Beach, Florida, state attorney and friend of Dan Markell, Dave Arenberg. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, uh, great to have you on the show, as always. And I'm going to start with you, because one of the things that came out at trial was, you know, this was a bitter custody battle. And we heard a lot about Dan Markell, what he was trying to do. We heard a lot about the family, what they were trying to do. It got ugly, and these things sometimes do. I actually found out from talking to some, from, uh, to some divorce lawyers that it's not that odd for someone to offer that kind of money to someone under those types of circumstances. It doesn't happen all the time, but it does, in fact, happen. But what I want you to do is give us a little context for Dan. We heard the things he was trying to do, the fight he was involved in. We didn't get to know him so much as a man. You knew him well. You know what? The amazing thing also, folks, is that um, Dan Markell and Wendy Adelson were both law professors. So they were both, you know, very knowledgeable attorneys. And Dan Markell knew what he could do and what he couldn't do. And I'm sure he knew the law frontwards and backwards. And yet these people, the Adelsons, tried to use their power, their influence, and their money to get their way uh, with him. And that was not about to happen. Well, tell us about it. Well, Dan believed in the system. And the system is one where he was winning. The problem was the Adelson family went outside the system. Dan was winning in court. And it frustrated the Adelson so much that they decided to try to do other things like the idea of dressing the kids up in Nazi uniforms, which didn't happen, but that was an idea from, from Donna. If you want to know who's pulling the strings, it's the person who said, hey, dress the kids up in Nazi uniforms, take a picture of them outside of a church, get them baptized. How about offer him a million dollars? So if you want to know who's pulling the strings, it's that person. And so what you have here is a fight between someone who is playing by the rules, who Dan was. He was a big believer in the system of integrity, ethics, um, and uh, people who just play by a different set of rules who didn't care because they didn't think the rules applied to them. You know, Dr. Lacey, some of the things that Donna wrote in those emails, I mean, if anyone sort of looks into all our emails, uh, I don't know what they would find, but some of those things were unhinged. Um, certainly some of the things she said and did uh, didn't seem to be of someone who was happy in their life. But I want to get your assessment because some of the things that she was calling Dan, we heard Wendy testify, uh, she called him a bully, she called him this, that, and the other thing, seemed to actually, you could apply them to her. Um, which I thought was interesting. But what are your thoughts on what we heard about Donna and the way she was dealing with this situation? 
Well, what I think about Donna and everything that we hear is that she was an emotional manipulator. So I would imagine with her kids growing up in this environment that she exactly was pulling the strings. And when we look at it from someone that does have high narcissistic traits, they usually turn the table around and gaslit, right? So they call the person the very thing that they themselves are doing. And a part of that will make them seem like the victim and the other person being the person who's causing the, the harm. And that's part of the manipulation tactic in these cases. And we see it a lot in these. You know, I, that's that's an interesting concept. But if Wendy Adelson knew that her mother, Donna, was this domineering control type person, do you think that maybe she manipulated her to get her to do the unthinkable? And now she's comes out smelling like a rose and her mother is facing life in prison? Could that be a possibility? I'm just throwing it out there because Donna Adelson, the matriarch, the mover and the shaker in this family, could it be that Wendy Adelson manipulated her own mother to get her to do something? Is she that smart? She sure seems pretty smart. She's a hell of a good testifier, a witness. On the stand, she's pretty smooth. She knows when the district attorney asks her a question and she knows where it's going and she'll cover her tracks, sometimes answer two questions at once to try to cover herself and sometimes can't trip herself up. You can't think that much, but she comes across as very smart. These family struggles and family dynamics, especially when it comes to Dan wanted to be a father and he wanted to do the right thing and their, their needs were going above his direct needs. And when you have someone that truly has high narcissistic traits, their needs trumps anyone else's. Yeah, I think this is a perfect example because if she's got the money to give Dan, her and her husband could be the ones traveling back and forth. Why did it have to be Dan? That's the way they wanted it. Now, after Dan's murder, prosecutors say that Charlie and Wendy went out to a celebration dinner. Wendy testified about this dinner at Charlie's trial. And Wendy's ex-boyfriend, Jeffrey Lacasse, also was asked about that dinner. Take a listen. After the murder, do you recall going to a dinner where you got sick at the table? It was about a month later, and yes, I remember. Where did that dinner occur? Was that here in Tallahassee or somewhere else? No, it was in Miami. All right, and was it like a, out at a restaurant? It was at a restaurant. All right, and when we say you got sick at the table, did you actually vomit at the table? I threw up at the table. All right, and did you ever hear your brother refer to that particular dinner as a celebratory dinner? No. Did you tell Jeffrey Lacoste that your brother called that a celebratory dinner? I did not. Did, was that a- One moment, Ms. Cowell. Yes, sir. Was that dinner a celebration of the murder of your ex-husband? Absolutely not. That dinner was the first time I left my house after over a month because I was terrified. And if it was a celebration of anything, it was a celebration that I was willing to leave the house and eat a meal. During one of those phone calls, did you learn about a dinner where Wendy had become ill at the table? Yes, I did learn about that. And. What did you learn about that dinner? Um, that she went out to dinner with Charlie for what he called a celebration dinner. He said something to her. She spontaneously vomited on the table. And this would have been within 
how much time after the homicide? Within a few weeks. Was it specified that the celebration was in reference to Dan Markell's death as opposed to anything else? Wasn't specified. Okay. But whatever it was, that's the dinner where she vomited. That's right. Carl Steinbeck, I want to get your thoughts because one of the things that stood out to me during testimony, specifically when Charlie took the stand, that I got the sense that Wendy was someone that the family felt needed uh, pushing, protecting, and maybe even they didn't respect her as much as perhaps she would want to be respected. She was, you know, a lawyer in her own right, wrote a book, et cetera, et cetera. I think, you know, what they're getting at, I think that Wendy was the chief uh, manipulator from what I could see of this family. And she even played the mother like a violin and it seems like got her to do the unthinkable. And you could, and here's a woman I believe testified at all, uh, at the, the, the all four trials actually, right? There was the, there was the trial for um, the two shooters, correct? Um, I'll get the, the chart up there. There's the trial for Sigfredo Tuto Garcia, Luis Tato Rivera, and Catherine Magbanua. And she also testified at the trial of her brother, Charles Adelson. So who's, uh, who's playing the system? She got these people to do what she wanted to do and, and kept her name out of it, it was, wasn't involved. Somehow hasn't been arrested, although that could happen. If you're looking for a great attorney in the New York metropolitan area, then Joe Murray is your man. Joe is a retired NYPD police officer and a fantastic defense attorney. You can reach Joe on his cell phone at 718-514-3855. You can email him at joe at jmurray-law.com. Go on his website, jmurray-law.com. Not only is Joe Murray a fantastic defense attorney, but a huge friend of the Police Off the Cuff podcast and a supporter and an ally of us on this Police Off the Cuff show. Let me get back to this little conversation here by Court TV. I had some modicum of success, but I didn't get the sense that they thought she could handle her own life um, in the way that they wanted her to. I want to get your thoughts on that. Right. They did a lot of stuff uh, from the review of the evidence to coddle her. And keep in mind that Donna and sometimes her husband would drive all the way from Miami just to go up and pick her up and the boys to go all the way back down then to Miami for her to spend there a week or two. So it's like, why would you let your elderly parents go all the way up there pick up the kids and you, and then drive all the way back. So there's other things like that that show that they were trying to be protective of her and, and sort of do her work for her. But that's why I also think that she is also very calculating in this. And she always played herself the victim with Dan Markell and made it look like Dan Markell was a, an abusive husband, which he was not at all. And so she, she really played on, on the type of uh, things that she knew would motivate her mom and, and, and her mom in turn would be motivated to get Charlie to do something. So she was really sort of the mastermind in playing the different uh, personality personality issues that her family members have. Hmm, interesting. And uh, Dave, I got to ask you at this point, Donna uh, is under indictment, ready to go to trial. Um, we've got Harvey and Wendy out there. Do you think this is an instance where prosecutors may go after everyone 
in this family, certainly it seems, as far as the conspiracy charges for Wendy, that there seems to be enough evidence to bring her into the fold. She hasn't been charged yet. And as I mentioned earlier, she wasn't mentioned on the probable cause affidavit for the arrest of Donna. But what are your thoughts on that? Michael, I know Jack Campbell. He's my colleague over there in Tallahassee. And uh, he's told me he's going to go wherever the evidence leads. And I think if they had the evidence to charge Wendy, they would have done so already. I think what they're trying to do is shake the trees a little bit. First, they went after the hitmen. That led to Katie. That led to Charlie. That helped lead to Donna. And perhaps next they could go after Harvey or Wendy herself. But I don't think they've made that decision yet. They're going to see where this goes, what evidence will come out at the next trial. If it goes to trial, Donna would be smart to take a plea in my mind. One thing, you saw Wendy's testimony, how she said it was not a celebratory dinner. And then just a few seconds later, she said, well, if it was a celebratory dinner. So she contradicted herself within seconds. That tells me that someone may not be telling the full truth. Yeah, I think that became obvious a couple of times uh, in her testimony. Finally, Dr. Janie Lacey, um, where does this family go from here? I mean, this family's been carved up um, in, in the worst way in terms of what they are alleged to and have been convicted of doing. The specter lies over this family, over those two kids who actually had their names changed after the death of Dan Markell. Well, where does this family go from here? Well, where this family goes from here will depend on the outcome of what happens in these next cases, but they're going to get divided. They're going to start looking out for themselves. And I think the most important thing, and you just mentioned it, Michael, is that the victims of these children, that they had their father taken away and then, you know, potentially other parts of their family and, you know, their life is going to be forever changed and living in this, in this shadow. So, you know, hopefully there's some good care as they are moving through these different developmental stages of this mark that's left in their family. But I would say that this family is destroying himself from the inside out. Warnings, age seven. Well, it's, uh, there is no doubt to that that uh, this family has been destroyed by this. And uh, how, how can you repair a family that the son uh, sentenced Charlie Adelson the rest of his life in prison? Uh, Donna Adelson, 73 years old, and you know, someone in the chat was saying, Look, I, I take no joy in anyone going to jail or prison unless they're a vicious, vicious criminal and they're convicted. But again, in our system, you are innocent till proven guilty. And Donna Adelson, yeah, you get it's sympathetic. She's 73 years old. But if she really did this dirty deed here, then I, I, you can't be sympathetic, you know? Uh, Jane Mallon, thank you so much for the 299 Super Sticker. From Perth, Australia. Love the channel. Thank you so much. <laughs> Good day. Have a shrimp on the barbie. That's all I can say. I, I don't know. Maybe that's uh, just a, <laughs> a stereotype. But uh, thank you so much, Jane Mullen. You know, we started this, uh, this show to talk about that the fact that uh, Donna Adelson's attorneys have filed what's known as an emergency motion to enjoin the jail for an independent psychological evaluation or release to house arrest. I think we all agreed that there is no way that they're going to release Donna Adelson to house arrest. Even if she has a ankle monitor, uh, it's not going to happen. She tried to flee the country. Therefore, she is an escape risk. So, there is no way on this earth 
that Donna Adelson is going to be released. She's, I believe she's going to spend her time in jail until her trial. And then if she's convicted, she's going to spend the rest of her life in prison. And again, she's innocent to proven guilty. I always like to say that. That is our system. And this case, just remember who the victim is in this case, Daniel Markell, right? In this picture with Wendy there, his family, he's been, he's been dead since 2014. And this is the path of destruction that that incident, this incident, has put upon all these families involved in this. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening tonight. I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Have a great night, and God bless everybody. One episode, just ain't enough.